0: Use promo code MADNESS50. That's MADNESS50
1: to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
0: Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. We are all back in one place. We've all gotten our July vacations in and caught our breath. And now it's time to really go to work as uh, Big Ten Media Days kicks off in Chicago. It's Thursday, Friday. So uh, we're taping here on Wednesday. We're going to give you just some early thoughts going into the event. I know some of our affiliates air the show uh, later here in the weekend. But um, a lot to look at, guys. Robin Washet. Nate Klaus. First of all, Robin, you went to Colorado. How, you, you have a good little vacation there?
3: It was nice. It was very nice. We took the family out there, went to Estes Park, got a cabin, went hiking, saw some lakes, did the, did the whole Colorado thing. So it was a, a good uh, break, getting ready for uh, summer to be over and the grind to begin.
0: And Nate, you went down to um, the Black Hills or up to South Dakota, right?
3: Yeah, up to the Black Hills. So, uh, which was also
4: nice. I love the Black Hills. So, um, it was good to good to get up there. We um, spent like thirty hours in the car, drove like sixteen hundred miles with a, a five year old and a two year old, and um, and I survived. How many so,
0: happy meals did you guys have over that?
4: Uh, r- surprisingly enough, only one. And <laughs> and there was like, there was. Maybe one minor uh, meltdown. meltdown, and that was it. So, like, it could not have gone any better than than what it did.
0: iPads, DVD players in the car have just totally changed the way you can travel. On those, we we went to Minneapolis uh, Mall of America and and hit up that stuff over uh, the weekend and and got back. And it was a six hour seamless drive as well. But I'm ready to get to work, guys. Let's talk Big Ten Media Days. And the first thing I want to get to. The initial unofficial official media poll. The Big Ten doesn't put out their own official one anymore because we live in this hurt feelings world where coaches and whatnot got mad years ago that their teams are picked last in the conference or whatnot. So the league does not endorse and sponsor a preseason poll. I think they're the only conference that doesn't do that. So years ago, the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, put together their own poll and they, I believe, get. About two writers from each team. So it's a very balanced poll. It's not all one team. And anyway, Nebraska picked to win the Big Ten West. Uh, they are tied with Iowa for first place votes, but edged Iowa out 198 to 194 and a half um, based on second place votes they had over Iowa. Then Wisconsin's your third team. They had four first place votes. Northwestern got one. Purdue got none. Minnesota got one first place vote, but picked sixth. And then Illinois was the unanimous team at number seven in the East, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers. Michigan got 20 of the 34 first place votes. But Nebraska now, Robin, there's been five kind of preseason polls put out. Nebraska's picked to win the West and four of the five right now.
3: Yeah, which kind of goes right in line with uh, the love they've been getting from Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting year two owner Scott Frost to be a significant step in the right direction. And uh, as we've talked about plenty of times, there are a lot of reasons why uh, you would buy into that. And, the you know, we've mentioned that, you know, even doing our uh, I remember the, the spring recaps, the opponent spring recaps talking to other beat writers. Um, everyone talked about how they expect Nebraska to be a completely different team from what they were last season. And so I think that's reflected in this type of voting. Um, and one of the things that, you know, jumped out to me, you know, with, with the voting, especially with the Big Ten West, is, you know, Minnesota is the, what, six out of seven? And you could easily make the case that they could win the division in some divi- in some cases. Well, their,
0: uh, their football power index record is number one in, in the Big Ten right now according to ESPN's yeah. metrics.
3: And so that, I mean, that's your second-to-worst team in the division, which shows just how big of a toss-up uh, this entire division is outside of Illinois. I, mean, I think everybody knows Illinois is probably going to be dead last, but one through six, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, you could make an argument for any one of those teams to win the division, and it's going to be hard to dispute it.
0: Where home field I think matters in a year like this, and guess what? Who has the second, third, and fourth place teams in this division all in Lincoln? Nebraska. So there you go. I mean, Nate, what, what's your thoughts on the poll?
4: Well, two things that stand out to me are that I think the, the perception of having a, an elite quarterback, I mean, I don't, I don't care how many starters Nebraska lost on offense or defense, it doesn't matter. If, if you have a guy like Adrian Martinez coming back, I think the perception is, is that you should be pretty darn good, uh, you know, heading into the season. And then the other thing is, is just how wide open it, it really is. I mean, when you, when you look at the numbers – um, like Robin said, you, you can you can legitimately make a case for anybody outside of Illinois to to make, you know, to, to win the West and represent the West in, in Indianapolis for the for the Big Ten title game. So, um, you know, I, I also found it interesting that there were two writers that actually picked Nebraska to win it all uh, when they when they. When they predicted you know whos okay who's going to win the west, who's going to win the East, and then who's going to win the title game, there were two two writers that predicted Nebraska to win it all hmm.
0: Nebraska and they, they have the archives here since 2011 in 2011, if you can believe this, Nebraska was the the pick to win the big Ten. that was the first year they wow. were in the conference they were It was one of those deals where Nebraska was number nine, Wisconsin was number ten, Ohio State was the big Ten did not have an elite. Team. Michigan was still rebound, rebounding. Brady Hoke was coming into his first season, I believe, that year. First or second year, he placed Rich Rodriguez. But Michigan was, you know, Nebraska was picked to win it that year. They, they they have not been picked to win it, obviously, since Ohio State has been picked to win it four years in a row. This will be the first time Michigan has been picked to win the league since 2012.
3: Wow. Yeah, and they got twenty first place votes, which is far and away the most. And uh, Phil Steele picked them to go undefeated. <laughs> this year so I mean uh, talk about hype and you think Nebraska is getting a lot of love Michigan is getting tenfold and what's funny is you talk about Nebraska having the easiest path to get where they want to be Michigan might have one of the most difficult schedules not only in the Big Ten Notre but Dame in all of college football yeah Notre Dame Army uh, a middle Tennessee uh, team that went I think seven, five, eight, four, something like that last year so uh, I mean they got a tough road ahead now I think the, the issue is they get a lot of their big games at home as well, including Ohio State. So, um, you know, they too have a returning quarterback, Shea Patterson, who is up there um, as one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. So, there's there's a lot of reason to buy into the Michigan hype, but uh, you know, certainly Ohio State, um, they've had their number, and this is going to be the Ryan Day's first test to see uh, how he can hold off Jim Harbaugh. And I think this is a big year for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, yeah. expectations are higher than they've ever been. And he was already starting to feel the heat a little bit. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of storylines to follow. We'll, we'll get in way more into these uh, in as we go on here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot, lots to talk about.
0: Adrian Martinez, Khalil Davis, Muhammad Barry will be in Chicago as well for Nebraska. And I think the biggest takeaway, Martinez being a true sophomore, I don't know if – I mean, it's rare to have a second-year player. Mississippi, they brought a redshirt freshman quarterback that started four games for them – uh, to sec media days he'll be their starter this year so pretty similar in in that sense but martinez uh def i don't think anyone's gonna question the decision at all i mean he needs to be in chicago i think it's for the betterment of nebraska football to have adrian martinez there no matter how old he is right now
3: yeah credit to scott frost for not getting caught up in that thing that no of, no seniors yeah this is a senior award it's a it's a Reward for their career achievement, no. It's bringing in your most high-profile player to represent your program on the biggest stage of the preseason and that's exactly what he's doing Scott knows that Adrian Martinez is the face of Nebraska football right now he is going to be a captain he's going to be their most prominent figure on and off the field and you need to showcase him I mean why not get him upstage and let him talk the dude is as eloquent and mature uh and just poised as you're ever going to see not only for a college football player but especially so for a true sophomore and so put him out there I mean let the media just go gaga over him write uh, a whole bunch of feature stories promote your brand and have him be uh like i said front and center uh, to push nebraska the new era of nebraska football yeah i mean he's the reason why you you're getting first place votes um and why
4: publications are out there saying that you're you're exactly. likely to win the west so why not get him out and get him exposure and and kind of uh you know start to start to pump his name up a little bit i mean he is the face of your program and And I think you want people watching these media days or or watching an interview on TV and going, holy cow, Nebraska's got Mm -hmm. that kid for this season plus – Maybe even two more. Um, I mean, he's only a sophomore. I, I think that's, that's what you want people saying. Um, you know, and, and it kind of paints a picture of where your future is headed.
0: Because let's be real, guys. I don't think anyone in the world knew really who Adrian Martinez was outside of people maybe in this part of the country until that Ohio State game. I mean, that was a national TV game at 11 a.m. on Fox. That had the highest rating of any game that saturday because nebraska nearly pulled off an upset in columbus over the team that eventually won the big 10 conference but until that day i don't even know very many people probably had adrian martinez on the radar and and so yeah i think this is kind of be a real nice springboard for him and then he opens up the year 11 a.m after lee corso puts on that first headgear he'll 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 take the field on espn following lee corso on college game day on saturday and then the next week he's fox national tv um, you know, two thirty game. You might have Gus Johnson, Joel clad out there, Joel clad, a former Colorado buff. So it wouldn't surprise me if they kept him in there to do that game. Um, so I think the, the stage is set for Martinez to have those first two games to really take all, take, get things going. But um, one more final thought.
3: Yeah. I was gonna say, there's a reason he's one of the top five Heisman trophy players. Uh, number four Contenders, right now. Contenders, yeah, in, in all of college football. So, I mean, this, he's going to have every opportunity to uh, raise that profile more and more each week.
0: Alright, when we come back we're going to continue the discussion of Big Ten Media Days. We'll talk about the rest of the conference next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
2: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin
0: Washett, Nate Klaus, talking Big Ten Media Days as Nebraska out in Chicago Thursday, they will be the first team out of the gates um, to take the stage. So, lots to look at, lot to talk about um, as Nebraska in Chicago. But guys, we want to talk more about the rest of these picks of the division and, and kind of gauge things out. And let's stick on the Big Ten West first. Um, Iowa, you know, number two, Wisconsin, number three, Northwestern, four, Purdue, five, Minnesota, six, Illinois, seven. Um, behind Nebraska in this poll, but we kind of hinted on this. It, it, it's amazing just how hard this division is to read right now when you try to look at crossover games, home schedule, road schedule, just all the intangibles that you have to look at when deciding a division with a nine-game conference schedule. And the one that really surprised me still, guys, is Minnesota at number six. They have an uh, ESPN-FPI prediction of 10-2 and two right now. And the media poll has them finishing sixth in the division. And it, it it just tells you how razor thin this is and how the brands of Iowa and Wisconsin particularly still, you know, the voters are going to go to the trusted brands over maybe a newer brand like a Minnesota. Mm-hmm.
3: And to be fair, they were six by a half a point behind Purdue, Purdue had a hundred and, oh, sorry, 10 and a half points. So, uh, it's, but they still had one first place vote. So they had 10 and a half less votes than Purdue, but had one more first place vote. So that just shows you, I mean, we talk about how much of a hodgepodge the West, uh, predictions are, uh, that's a perfect example. I mean, one, two, three, four, four of the, no, yeah. Five of the seven teams in the division were picked to win. I Got at least one vote to pick the win the win the division. And so, I mean, it's Really, I don't put a whole lot of stock into what people think about teams now, because uh, like you said, there's so many things that could influence how this thing goes. And there are so many swing games that are going to ultimately determine this, uh, that you look at Nebraska's schedule. Look at that minnesota game i mean that is probably one of the more overlooked games on their schedule when they have to go to minneapolis where nebraska struggled there the past few years and beat a team that as we've talked about sean minnesota's better than a lot of people think they might have the best running back stable in the big 10 they have one of the best wide receivers in the big 10 they got a stout defense uh and you know they they don't make a lot of mistakes and so nebraska's gonna have to be on its game with arguably one of their tougher road games of the season uh, in, in a, in a situ- part of the schedule where, uh, you know, it's got a trap uh, label maybe all over it. So, um, I mean, that's why we go back to the whole point where, you know, Minnesota's picked six out of seven in this poll. But you could make a case that they could compete to go to Indianapolis and make a very strong case at that.
4: Yeah, I don't think that um, when you look at Minnesota, I think what maybe what they're lacking is that big-time name. They don't have the name even though Tyler Johnson is one of the best wide receivers in college exactly they've got some of the best players um but nobody knows about yeah exactly yeah I mean you ask some dude off the street uh, what what his thoughts are of Tyler Johnson he would be like huh uh but but he's really good one of the best players in the conference but uh, I think to me that's that's probably what what puts him there there at number six is is just that they kind of lack that that big-time name you know Nebraska's got Adrian Martinez Iowa's got Nate Stanley and um, obviously Wisconsin, um, you know, has Taylor and, and um, you got those, those stable, mm. you know, players that everybody knows who they are. Uh, but Minnesota doesn't really have that guy.
0: You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And, you know, I look at Wisconsin, they're such a hard team to read, uh-huh. uh, because, I felt like a few years ago was the year everyone thought they were going to fall off, and they, they got better with the way their schedule was that year. It was so difficult, and they won, and, and you know they've, they've gone to New Year's Six Bowl games multiple years. Now, last year they didn't. They went to the Pinstripe Bowl or the New Era Bowl, uh, but you look at it now. Jonathan Taylor is back for his third year, but you've got a number of other questions on the offensive line. Four starters to replace. Their pass rush hasn't had that elite edge guy. They're starting Bryson Williams as their nose, and
3: and there's nobody behind him. Like he is, he's their starting nose tackle, and they like have zero depth behind him. So if he goes down, they're in trouble and, in the middle. And
0: not no knock against Bryson Williams, Nate, but I don't look at him to, as a, you know, the type of body to be a true nose in this conference right now.
4: Well, yeah, I, I never really looked at him as a nose tackle on a three-four to begin with. Um, I, I I've always viewed him more as a three technique, uh, and a really good three technique, but. Yeah, to, I mean, if he's the guy there at, at that nose tackle position and nobody behind him, um, you know, I, I think that's that's a little bit of a red flag. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to have a heck of a career at Wisconsin. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's less than ideal for their defense. And um, a defense that has just lost so many pieces here over the last couple of years. Yeah, they
3: lost three of their four starting linebackers, which has been the hallmark yep. of that defense. I mean, they've had – big plug the middle linemen and then playmaking linebackers that just rack up tackles because of that. And right now they have very little depth on their defensive line, especially at nose tackle. And then they have a ton of inexperience at the linebacker position. Chris Orr is the only returning starter and he's missed plenty of time with injury. So uh and then the back end of the defense, I mean they don't have uh, you know, that Dakota Dixon or anything like that where uh you know it's just the The guy that's seemingly been a starter there for five years. And so there's a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball, paired with an offensive line that just lost four guys to the NFL and has one returning starter who shared time as a starter last season. I can't remember the guy's name. I think he was their center. Anyway, they basically are revamping that unit. And so, what makes Wisconsin football what it is? Running game, offensive line, defense, and two of those things have major issues right now that they need to address.
0: And they got a quarterback question now. I mean, will it be the true freshman Graham Mertz, who you know may be the best pro style quarterback recruit in the country from a year ago, or or could it be Jack Cohn? And you know, these are two guys, Nate. You're pretty familiar with them. I mean, would you be surprised if it's not Mertz right now?
4: I would be. I, I think that I think that you probably. You just you kind of usher in the new era um, while you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor there to to act as somewhat of a security blanket. Um, you know, I, I think if if you if you roll out and you start the season with Cone, but there's still kind of a, a competition going on, I, I think that's just going to be a big distraction for him. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, I would be personally, I would be surprised if Mertz kind of wasn't the guy from the get-go.
0: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. As we break down and analyze um, and, and look at things in the Big Ten, uh, I want to go over to the East now. You know, Michigan, the favorite, Ohio State, number two, not a surprise. I think with Michigan State and Penn State, people don't really know what to expect. We know. I think if you were to just rank units in the conference, the Michigan State defense might be the best unit overall in this league. I but don't know if there's any question, their their offense might be one of the bottom three or four <laughs> yeah. in the conference. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe bottom they were, two. They
3: were statistically.
0: So that that's – then Penn State, they, they lose Trace McSorley. Yeah, they lost a lot. Who I think has kind of hit a lot of the flaws of Penn State over the years with his mobility. Yep. I mean, they kind of fell into McSorley, and all of a sudden he just turned into this phenomenal quarterback. He was like a uh, Todd Reesing almost from Kansas, you know, back in the old Big 12 mm-hmm. days where he just added an element of swagger and – Kind of like a Baker Mayfield. A, little, sl- like. a slipperiness to the offense, mm-hmm. and they had Saquon Barkley that didn't, that, but. didn't – you don't have that guy anymore so the tommy stevens left there to go to mississippi state State. and and now they're going to start another guy um so the quarterback questions at penn state i i I think they're for by just pure reputation um but you know i I don't feel good about penn state right now i don't know enough about what they're going to look like with all those questions i
3: think that's another thing it's the brand penn state it's james franklin people are just assuming that they'll figure it out and Generally, they do. So, I mean, there's good reason for that. But, you know, Michigan State was a pretty distant third. And their defense is good enough to win the Big Ten Championship this year, in my opinion. Now, if they can get any semblance of an offense, that is going to be the ultimate deciding factor. They have a fairly difficult schedule. But, um, you know, I think that... You know, they have the opportunity, I think, to to make a run, especially with, you know, we talk about important years for coaches. Mark D'Antonio is kind of feeling a little bit of heat, too. People are getting a little frustrated with some of the inconsistency that program has seen over the year. And uh, with Michigan uh, on their rise, you know, in the the same state, uh, this the time is now for them to, to really capitalize, especially With the defense being what it is. I mean, we did our ranking the Big Ten, and there was a Michigan State guy in the top five of literally every position group that we ranked. And so, I mean, they are absolutely loaded top to bottom on that side of the ball. And that is going to keep them in every game they play. The issue is can they put points on the board? Do they have a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield? Do they have receivers that can get separation? An offensive line that can create a running game. All those things were lacking so drastically last year that uh, it really never allowed them to to get off the ground. I mean, remember that game in Lincoln? Uh, Michigan State's defense dominated Nebraska, but Nebraska needed three field goals to beat them. I mean, that's how bad Michigan State's offense was. So um, that is going to be – they're kind of one of the more mysterious teams in that um, they could be – as good as any team in the conference, but if that offense doesn't pick it up, they could be exactly where they're pegged right now. You talk about
4: the, the time is now. I mean, I, that, that's got to be, be it for Harbaugh. Um, I mean, if you can't beat Ryan Day in Ohio State and kind of get that monkey off your back in, in his first year as the full-time. They won't
0: player. fire him, though. Well no, they won't fire him. I think him, he'll he'll just get tired and, and leave. Well, yeah, I mean and yeah. go to the NFL again, right, Robin? Or?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't I don't think they're going to fire him either. No. But no, they won't fire him, but it's going to be, be a lot of, it won't be yeah, fun to live in exactly. Ann Arbor if you can't beat Ryan Day in his first year. If Ohio State comes to Ann Arbor, especially when you're projected to go <laughs> 12 and 0 and yeah. play for a college football playoff, uh, and then you let some first-year Ohio State coach Beat you for the fifth time in a row. Uh, that's that's gonna leave yeah. a lot of or let's say
0: they make the title game, then they lose to the West team. Mm. I mean, the West hasn't won a title game in a long time. I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know if they ha- ever have. Because Wisconsin? It was the legends and leaders, and Wisconsin won some then. Yeah. But when it's gone pure East West, I, I think Ohio State and Michigan State have won all those games.
3: Yeah, I think and you're Penn right. State won
0: one. And Penn State, yeah, won, Penn State one. So, won one. So. Yeah, the, the West has never won – I don't think the West has ever actually won one since they've gone East-West. Now, the Legends leaders was different because it was a, a mix of both divisions now. Um, but, yeah, if they if – somehow Michigan got to the title game for the first time in nine years um, and didn't win it, man, that could, that would not yeah, be pretty for Harbaugh either. The
4: pressure is on for them. I mean, they've got, they've got everything to lose, um, and, and they're expected to win, you know, to take it all. So, um, yeah, that's something that I'm going to be paying real close attention to is just – how well does this team kind of live up to those expectations? How does Harbaugh go ahead and get it done finally after eight years? Mm-hmm. So eight, eight years, right? This is eighth season in, in, in Ann Arbor. Right, he
3: took over right when Mike Riley took yeah. over. Or maybe a little before. I don't no, know. I think
1: it
4: was the same year. So 15?
0: It's not been eight years. No. Because Brady Hoke was around for, yeah, I'm trying to think. This will be his fifth year at Michigan. Fifth year. Yeah. Fifth or sixth.
3: Yeah, because he came in right with when Mike Riley did,
0: right at the exact same time. So that
3: was 2015. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah. Not, it was Brady Hoke was Brady Hoke was there for a they, number of years, just making up stats. God, I'm making us really <laughs> rack our brain here. I'm like he has not been there eight years. He was, it feels like he's been there eight
3: years. Yeah, maybe that's the point. But uh, fact checked, uh, you are correct, Sean. Since they moved to the East West division, no West team has ever won a Big Ten championship. In fact, the last quote unquote West team to win a Big Ten Championship with Wisconsin when they won it back-to-back years in 11 and 12.
0: All right, well, that wraps up our our Big Ten Media Days preview discussion. I want to talk a little basketball. Nebraska started practice. The national writers got some access, so we're we're going to discuss with Robin uh, kind of some of the thoughts and things that came out of the open practices or the the practices Nebraska's had thus far as they get ready to head to Italy. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Line Show.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan,
0: Robin Watcher. We're going to talk some basketball. I know it's July. I know it's Big Ten Media Days week. But, but, Fred Hoiberg and his guys, they started practice. So, kind of exciting times here because, literally, we don't know anything about this team as far as, like, what this team's going to look like, how they practice, how they play. They get 10 official practices, Robin, before they go off to Italy. Now, Media from Nebraska will be allowed in later. Uh, John
3: Rothstein, is he from CBS? Yeah, he he works for uh, CBS Sports, Sports Illustrated, uh, W Fan, hosts his own podcast, kind of all over the place. One, of, just one of those national college basketball personalities.
0: But he was in practice watching uh, opening day. Yeah, right?
3: he's doing a little tour. He was at Creighton the day before, um, and just making multiple stops around. The country of teams that are intriguing, and Nebraska certainly fits that bill. And uh, they opened the doors to him a little earlier, so not salty, just a little bitter.
0: How great's his job, by the way? Like,
3: well, if you want to live on your cell phone and like never get off Twitter, I mean, for the rest of your entire life, then that's the job for you. Because literally, those guys, like him and uh, Jeff Goodman and Jeff Barzillo, VSPN, like those guys are online, dialed in at all times because they. Don't cover just one team. They cover recruiting for every team. They cover like coaching news for every team. And so, like, if you miss something by like five minutes, it's uh, basically and, like and why even report
0: it? And ESPN doesn't even have. Do they have a guy like that anymore?
3: Yeah, Jeff Borzello. Okay, he, he's their he, guy. He's, he's their college basketball guy.
0: Because Cats left there, and mm-hmm. he was kind of that guy before. But all right, what what did what were some of the takes that came out? I mean, when you look at some of the tweets and observations, anything just say, "Oh, that got my attention."
3: Uh, you know, not really. I think more of anything, it was uh, confirmation of stuff or you know thoughts that uh, maybe we were starting to have. Um, you know, he he said basically like that. He gave a starting lineup that was um, with here's Matek. Uh, so Cam Mack, Gervais Green, Hanif Cheatham, Mateka Voss, and uh, Yvonne Wade Rogo. And obviously, Yvonne Wade Rogo isn't even in the United States right now. He's still practicing with the France national team for the FIBA championships in Greece. And so maybe that's more of an indication that uh, there's not a lot to work with right now, as far as Nebraska's front court, which we knew. Uh, so he's projecting a guy that he's never seen play before to be a starter.
0: That's staff I, Intel. Probably
3: maybe, Maybe, and I know they really like him, but the fact is that he's, they seen him yet. He's not here yet. So anyway, so and then Kavaz was interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people just assumed he'd be an off the bench guy, but uh, you know, Rothstein called him an elite shooter with an effortless stroke. Which I mean, he was one of the top ten three point shooters in all of college basketball last year. So that you know further confirms that that I mean he is that he's a legit three-point specialist that nebraska hasn't had in a long long time it's like eric Paikowski. <laughs> yeah i mean i mean he's he's as good as there is in it's been like in 20 basketball. years
0: since they've had a guy that could actually like when you he gets the ball i mean andrew white could hit him but not like at that level
3: yeah andrew white was he was a, he was a very good shooter but uh like john rothstein said mate Kavas is an elite shooter like a
0: kyle not kyle Cor- i'm not gonna say he's kyle korver but like a guy where every time he got a three-point shot you thought it was gonna go he I mean,
3: shoots 46 47 for his career. So, I mean, that says everything you need to know. I mean, he makes almost half of his three-pointers.
0: It's like better than some guy's free-throw percentages. Yeah,
3: no doubt. And so, uh, other notables, uh, he said Shamil Stevenson. uh, He said he expected him to use – Stevenson's a 6'6", 230-ish pound transfer from Nevada via Pittsburgh, who – We still don't know a waiver update on him. Uh, They're trying to get a waiver to make him immediately eligible uh, coming off his transfer. Uh, They haven't heard anything yet. But one thing to keep in mind, uh, Isaac Copeland's waiver uh, wasn't granted until September. So this thing could potentially go on for another couple months before we hear anything on that. But I think as, as far as every comment Fred Hoiberg has made... They still feel fairly confident about that situation. So, uh, whenever he plays, uh, they expect, or Rothstein expects, uh, Shamil to be used in the same kind of way as Melvin Ejim did at Iowa state, who, you know, was just kind of a big bruiser, um, forward who could play in the block but they also kind of created mismatches by bringing him out onto the perimeter to utilize his athleticism and and quickness off the dribble uh and then lastly uh, Hanif cheatham who was the very first commitment uh during this whole roster rebuild uh, from florida um, gulf coast uh who was originally at marquette Uh, i've been hearing a lot of things about him as well as Rothstein says he's a very good passer and a capable shooter and a potential glue guy to monitor. And that's where I think Cheatham's role is going to be as important as anything. You talk about this completely rebuilt roster with a whole bunch of new faces that have never even uh, seen each other until, you know, this week. Well, Hanif a he's a fifth-year senior who has been around, played a lot of basketball at a high level, and he has a lot of leadership qualities to him. And so, you know, who's going to be that that Evan Taylor locker room, you know, vocal guy? I think Hanif Cheatham is going to naturally fall into that role. And I think this coaching staff is pushing him to go into that role. So, again, that kind of further confirmed some uh, assumptions that we were already starting to make. So, nothing groundbreaking, uh, but certainly for a guy, you know, of Rothstein who uh, doesn't have rose-colored glasses or any, you know, bias to come in and uh, say a lot of the same things that uh, we've been hearing, you know, Basically, since Hoiberg took over, uh, like I said, that that was good to kind of get some validation to some of those thoughts.
0: So, Robin, the team. They get two, 10 practices over about two weeks or how many how many uh, weeks will they have to get well, these 10 leave, in?
3: Yeah, they leave August 3rd and you can do with whatever you want with those 10 practices and they're still going to hold workouts and so I mean, they can do all their like strength and conditioning stuff. It's a, I mean, so it's like
0: a grind right now for these guys. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've they're been getting working, after it.
3: Well, especially the dudes that just showed up. I mean, uh, you know, guys like Shamil Stevenson and Cam Mack and uh, Hanif Cheatham and Matej Kavas who had to finish up academic stuff at their previous institutions. I mean, they didn't arrive until the start of the second five-week session at the beginning of July. And so, I mean, they've uh, all the other guys outside of uh, Wade Drogo were here, and they were working out, kind of getting used to everything. I mean, used to the campus and used to uh, the coaches and all that stuff. And now, uh, everybody's here now, and so they're, they're ramping things up a bit. And so, you know, all those guys are trying to crunch in a lot in a short amount of time, and now with these practices getting going, you're adding uh, an even further step up in in kind of the the grind they're going through right now. The
0: other thing I I thought was interesting that he noted was Fred Hoiberg puts a four-point line. So there's a three-point line. Then Is the four-point line then expanded out further yeah
3: it's just a few inches further out uh from the three-point line and keep in mind that that original three-point line is already moved out from what it was last year because the NCAA now adapted the FIBA rules where to create more space right it's basically just well for one to make the three-point shot a little bit harder because people were hitting at an absurd rate uh but also to create uh more spacing and and in turn create more offense and so Fred Hoiberg uh being the forward progressive thinker that he is decided you know what Let's move it out even further. So it's only a few inches, but uh, we talk about a guy who the hallmark of his offensive system is spacing and pace and ball movement, shooting threes and getting to the rim. He wants the He doesn't want two or three guys standing on the same side of the floor, which, um, you know, uh, not to knock Tim miles, but that happened far too often where uh, the driving lanes were being cut off by you know guys' own teammates sometimes because uh, did, people didn't know where they were supposed to be and didn't know how to play with spacing. And so I think that is something they're really hammering clearly from day one is know where to be on the floor, know how to move without the ball to where you are always in a position to be a threat. And so by doing this four-point line, you know, I mean, I think it's more just a mentality thing that uh, don't worry about the three point line. I need you back a few more inches to make sure we get the type of spacing that we need to operate correctly. All right, Robin, now you'll get access next week, right? The 23rd, we're doing a little uh, press conference session, uh, a couple players and Fred, and then uh, they're going to open up the first few minutes uh, of practice for you know TV and photographers to, to shoot pictures and whatnot. So that'll be our local media first real look at this team on the floor together. And they've so
0: been practicing inside the arena? They're doing
3: both. I think they are going back and forth. I think they probably were just showing off. PBA a little bit to the national guy, but yeah, I
0: thought that was interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, in July, you're using the arena for practice, but it, it, yeah. it, it kind of gets you up. I think in the, the
3: women's team practiced there earlier in the day too. So, I mean, I think they're just kind of maybe there's something going on, Hendricks. I don't know, but they do do. That. I mean, especially when you have a whole bunch of guys that have never played there before. I mean, that's your home arena. That guys got to get used to shooting in that thing. So, I'm sure there's some strategy behind that as well.
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. Uh, We'll take your questions in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus,
0: pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler, who, God, Mike, I feel like we haven't seen you in months. What, what have you been doing? Other You got your car towed uh, at the office the other night, I heard. but
1: I, uh, I did get my car towed, and my friends are going to be happy to hear that one. That's <laughs> going to be great. No, but to... uh, just summer classes, really, and I got a, a job uh, just sort of on the side, make a little extra money this summer. But, uh, yeah, everybody's just been kind of doing their own thing this summer, it feels like.
0: Yeah, we kind of shut it down. I mean, I don't want to say should, we never shut it down, but we, we all try to catch our breath in July because it's about the only time you can. Um, now, you, when does school start? You, late August?
1: Um, I wanted, Yeah, I want to say right around there, maybe mid-August. Uh, I'm in the second session of the five-week session for summer classes right now. Uh, just got done with one of them, but uh, I think it'll come up right around the mid-August time.
0: Well, the mailbag is back. It's been kind of on an intern break. Grace was in Spain, Ali's in Chicago, Alec is we don't know where, um, and, and Mike uh, has been busy, obviously. So we haven't had the mailbag for about a month. Um, so lots of questions, I'm sure. What do you got to start us out with?
1: All right, so uh, you guys talked about it earlier in the show about the expectations for Nebraska, but amidst all the hype this preseason, what's the one thing about the 2019 Huskers that keeps you up at night?
0: Um, I, I think some of the questions on the offensive line, you know, the center particularly, um, how that's going to play out, and just what what do they do at right tackle? Can Matt Farniak be the guy, or can they move him to inside? I I just think getting that line solidified and then. Dedrick Mills has to be a guy. Like I, I really think for this running game to have the physical presence that they want to have with it, that's a guy that they cannot afford to be a miss. They need Dedrick Mills to be a guy. Um, and then for me, at linebacker on the inside, they just can't suffer an injury there right now. Muhammad Berry is a, is about as indispensable as anybody they have right now because or irreplaceable because they don't really have another Muhammad Berry ready to roll. So that inside linebacker position is another real concern for me as far as the depth uh, going into the year.
3: Yeah. I mean, those are probably the three biggest position Yes. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably go and say, you know, the, the situation with Maurice Washington, because I think that's up there for uh, changing the dynamic of Nebraska's running game and their offense as a whole. I mean, you put him uh, full go. Uh, that's that changes a lot with what Nebraska does offensively. I mean, there were times last year watching him where Uh, You just said, whoa, when he would turn the corner and look like the fastest guy on the football field. And if he's not there... Like you said, Sean, that puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Dedrick Mills. And um, beyond him, a whole bunch of inexperienced running backs that, uh, you know, have a lot of question marks in their own right. So um, that situation, I mean, it's been looming for months now. Uh, when is it going to get resolved? What's Nebraska's you know next step going to be once it is resolved? Uh, and what happens there, I think, will have a big part in just how dynamic Nebraska's running game particularly actually is. Yeah, I'm going to go with the center position. I, I think
4: you know the the injury status surrounding uh, Cameron Jurgens. I, I think, or just the, his health in general. You know, can can he finally be healthy? Can he play an entire season? Is he going to be able to start out the season? You know what what's his status? Um, you know, I, I think there's so many questions right there. Obviously, he's got the talent. Um, the way Scott Frost talks about him, you know, you 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 just know that that um, he wants. Jurgens to, to kind of be the guy, but you know I don't I just don't know if it's if that's meant to be uh, or if it's going to happen or what. So I, I think that's an important position up front and and uh, you know it seems to me like there's uh, more questions than answers right now.
1: What do you got next, Mike? All right, so heading over to basketball. Uh, will Fred Hoiberg be like the Davani for the basketball program? And I think that they mean sort of as a putting
3: Nebraska on the map type of thing. not a partier. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's the goal i mean that's why you're paying him what you're paying him uh, i mean uh, they made a very large investment in fred hoiberg and shot for the stars and got their guy now the next step is for all that effort to pay off and so that means being a consistent ncaa tournament team being a consistent big 10 conference contender and not only getting to the tournament But winning games, getting to Sweet 16s, getting beyond that. Uh, I mean, I think those are all realistic goals that uh, Nebraska has set for this program now that they have their guy in place. And so assuming anything remotely close to that happens, yes, he will be the Bob Devaney just because the bar is set so low that really any semblance of success, I think, is going to put him in that same conversation.
1: All right, so moving on. So UNK actually ended their baseball program uh, just back in 2018. UNO dropped football and wrestling. Are financial issues at other University of Nebraska affiliated schools slowing down facility improvements for Husker football?
0: No, no. I mean, Nebraska athletics is its own independent operation, but there is a protocol and a process that you have to go through. Like you can't just, you know, like I know people were Steve Rosen, our, our very, very talented sports business writer wrote an article about kind of facilities and where things stand and A lot of people are upset that nothing about the football facility has been put in there because I I think everybody knows this facility is coming. It's needed if Nebraska wants to compete, Um, but they're not just going to leak that out and be like, and by the way, Steve, now that you're here, we're just going to tell you about the $70 million project we're going to put together before the Regents have a chance to discuss it in a meeting. Um, So, no, I, I don't think it has anything to do with that stuff. Um, I think there is some political lines and games that you have to play uh, when it comes to these things, though, uh, especially when the college is losing different programs and positions. Uh, But the athletic department right now, 20 percent of students at UNL at the Nebraska Lincoln campus are on some sort of scholarship that is provided by Nebraska athletics. Think about that. One out of five students at this campus gets a scholarship check from athletics and so they they do they do more than enough to 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 provide and help this university
3: yeah i think it's more about optics than anything if you just start throwing around all this money which they've already done quite a bit uh while on the academic sector you're cutting programs and uh you know jobs are being lost i mean i think it just from a perception standpoint some people wouldn't be happy about that but from a financial standpoint nebraska athletics could literally probably do whatever it wanted uh, whenever it wanted yeah it's just to me it's all
4: about red tape um you know it's it which is kind of unfortunate and i don't know you're right i think the optics come into play because i don't know if the average joe you know out there really understands that the athletic department is completely it, it's his own separate entity from the the university and that they, they don't share money or that you know there's you know they're and they don't take any sub. they're one yeah. of
0: five schools that receives zero subsidies from the state side
4: yeah and i don't know if everybody out there understands that and so i mean with that being the case yeah they should be able to do whatever they want they should be able to build whatever they want and spend as much money building you know <laughs> whatever uh but yeah there's there's the optics there's red tape and you you hope that um, you know, some of that gets addressed here sooner rather than later. Yes,
0: you, you do have the ch- – it's not just Bill Moose that makes these decisions. It's the pr- president, which Nebraska doesn't have right now yet, an official act, uh, an official new president, but then a chancellor, and then the regents. So, I mean, there's a lot of layers of leadership that get involved in these decisions when they get to that level. And, you know, things that we I, – I, I feel very confident things that are going to happen in Nebraska in the next five years or so. There will be a football facility built. There's going to be a golf facility built, and I think the swimming complex is going to get a total revamp because that that is a joke right now. Nebraska's facility for swimming um, it, it is by far the worst in the conference, and that has to get addressed as well down the road. But football is huge, and if they don't get that football facility built and addressed soon, it, it is going to play an impact, Nate, in recruiting.
4: Yeah, it's got to. I mean, um, it. I think it already has. When you look – when you look at at the the landscape and the Big Ten, um, you know what what Big other Ten teams West, yeah, exactly. Even the Big Ten West, when when Purdue and Minnesota, Iowa's better than Nebraska yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean literally everybody Northwestern, in, uh, everyone except for Illinois, and I think they're building, they're building. something right now. Um, they're better than
0: Wisconsin's,
4: Nebraska's. Yeah, um, but it's. I mean, you used to be used to be tops in the conference and now tops of the country or yeah i mean yeah top 10 top five in the country um you you've lost a, a lot of ground and and it's all an arms race right now i mean it, it and whether you believe it or not it does have a, a huge impact on recruiting and so i think that um you know you have to constantly stay ahead of these things and you can't allow yourself to fall completely behind and, and i think that's where Nebraska is at and i've said it a thousand times that do they need it to, to operate and to function, probably not. But uh, will it help Nebraska recruit at a high level, higher level and, and get better players in here and thus win more games? Absolutely it will.
0: All right, one final question, Mike. What do you have?
1: All right, so I don't know how plugged in you guys are in social media right now, but what do you hope to find in Area 51?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's like two things that are taking over social media. The face aging app deal, which everybody – is doing and sharing like crazy. And then that area 51 thing, I I have no opinion or thoughts on area 51.
3: Uh, yeah. I hope they storm it and find out all the secrets that the government's been hiding since the sixties. And uh, we've become friends with our new alien overlords. Yeah, aliens, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping to That's find saw some dudes at the gym. Like some guys wearing like a green man alien suit. Yeah. And, like they're training, like how to carry an alien, like <laughs> pushing weights. <slits>. Yeah. <laughs> Are they being for real? No. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, "What the heck?" No, it's. Uh, I think that's the part of the why this thing is taking off the way it is because it's so outrageous and ridiculous that. I
1: mean, the Air Force has responded to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> like a, a million people have
4: like RSVP'd though, yeah. right? I think oh yeah, the amount of effort it would take to get. Is it New Mexico
0: where it's yeah, at? It's Nevada. I mean. To get out to that part where it's—I mean—it's like totally isolated, away from everything, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's, yeah, it's hours a away nowhere, from yeah. major city. I mean, so to get out there and then like think that you could like orchestrate a full an <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That> insurgency, <laughs> just a full-on charge is what they're going for, I think.
3: Just no plan, just a bunch yeah. of dudes.
0: Because there's nowhere out there to probably sleep <laughs> or stay overnight. I mean, it's like totally in the middle of a desert. But anyway, yeah, that wraps it up for this first kind of addition to the mailbag off our break. When we come back, we're going to talk some recruiting with Nate Klaus. It's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Let's talk some recruiting, Nate, as Nebraska now at eight commits. You know, We taped a few shows before this one, so we really haven't had a chance to, to talk too in-depth about You know, things that have played out, you know, over the last couple of weeks in July as, um, you know, Nebraska slowly climbing their way up to double digits. Do you still I know you and I have agreed for a long time. We think Nebraska will be at double digits by the opener. Do you still feel that way today?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if they're not, they'll be real, real close to it. Um, I mean, but I I would be surprised if, if they don't add another two or three guys between now and the beginning of the football season. Uh, I just think that's the way, that's the way it's kind of trending. That's the way it's kind of happening. Um, you know, I I think there's a, there's a handful of players uh, that that are wanting to make their decision and kind of get it out of the way before their senior season starts. And, And so, um, you know, Anywhere here over the next month um, or maybe even six weeks, I I think we're going to see at least a few more dominoes fall Nebraska's way.
0: You know, a year ago, Nate, in recruiting, Nebraska had kind of their big early three they wanted to get. Masai Newsome, Nick Henrich, and then Ty Robinson. And they got all three of those guys to kind of, you know, build the core of what they wanted that class to be.
4: You look well, at they didn't this, get Robinson until late, late. I mean, but yeah,
0: yeah they got him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like they're three kind of early wish list guys that they yeah. thought they had to get. This year, those three guys were Nash Hutmacher, Blaise Gunnerson, and then uh, Xavier Watts. And they, they don't get Watts; he goes to Notre Dame. But Hutmacher, Gunnerson commit um, June 29th, July second, and then Will Nixon on July eighth. Well, Turner Corcoran is
4: always a guy that they felt like they had to get him to.
0: But yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just saying those three guys. I felt like they were linked together. You know, yeah, they were. They were all. They, oh yeah. They spent a lot of time together. They didn't get Watts. I mean, have you heard any fallback or just insight on on how that more played out with Watts?
4: Well, I, I just think it was it was it, it, to me reading the tea leaves. I haven't been around this for a long time. I, I think that um, first and foremost, Notre Dame recruited him really hard, uh, and they kind of made him a priority, and so um you know and and they they were able to secure that official visit in june and and the way things kind of played out they had one spot left and so i think they said hey look you know you're you're we got this spot for you um but if you don't take it here pretty soon it may it may not be there uh, much longer and so i think that you know he kind of weighed the pros and cons and decided you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and make a decision early and and uh Um, you know, pick Notre Dame over Nebraska and Michigan, and you know, because he had had been saying that he was going to take an official visit to Michigan uh, for their home opener on August 31st, and then he was going to be taking one to Nebraska and then maybe making a decision, but um, I I think that with Notre Dame having one spot left, and and, you know, I don't want to say that they pressured him or anything like that, but um, with all the work that they'd kind of put in, I, I think that he just felt comfortable going ahead and, and you know accepting that that position and, and kind of shutting things down.
0: And then they get Will Nixon though Nate, um, another receiver out of Baylor at at Waco, his father is the offensive coordinator for Baylor, so almost kind of a a flip role here where Nebraska took a, you know took an Xavier Watts from yeah. Baylor, um, you know with his father on the coaching staff. I mean, why did you get the sense that he picked Nebraska? Um, knowing the connection with his father at Baylor
4: well I, to me you know from what he had to say um, you know he just felt completely comfortable at Nebraska with the offense and with the direction that things are heading here and uh, you know and sometimes playing for your dad is not all it's cracked up to be uh, you know I, I think that um, sometimes you know there's obviously some some bonuses there some pros but I think there could be some cons too and Especially with as as you know volatile as as uh, college football is you know these days, I, there's no guarantee that his dad's going to be there four or five years from now, and so I think that that uh, he really really liked the message that Scott Frost and Troy Walters and Ryan Held, um, you know, were are kind of giving him about the the direction of the program, but also he's a tremendous fit in this offense. He, he's a he's a slot receiver. Uh, but he also kind of plays that duck R role or can fill that role because he's a guy that that um, takes carries out of the backfield, uh, but uh, can stretch the field and, and make guys miss in the open field there from that slot receiver position. Uh, could be a return guy. I mean, he is uh, just a, a dynamic fit in that offense. I think a, you know a true fit there, and so. Um, I think all the all the cards all the stars kind of align there and and um, you know for for probably a lot of the same reasons that that Xavier Watts chose Notre Dame uh, Will Nixon chose Nebraska
0: you're listening to the Oscar line shows we talk recruiting with Nate Klaus what's next Nate I mean when you kind of look at I mean everybody always asks us on our weekly chat I know it probably just there's days where it just can drive you probably nuts. I mean, where you just want to yell and like, I don't know, like who are the next four commits. And Uh, in the order they'll commit the hour, they'll commit and, 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 and whatnot. And how many silent commits do we have as well? Wink. If we have one, you know, I mean, just,
4: we just, just, yeah, it's it's a crapshoot. Yeah, um, we're talking about eighteen-year-old kids here. Yeah, but I, I do think. I mean, I mentioned some guys that are going to want to be making a decision here before the the beginning of their senior seasons, and there's two that that stand out to me in particular that I think are are I would consider Nebraska leans and. One of them is uh, Oklahoma running back, Sevion Morrison. Uh, he took his official visit here in, in late June, right before that dead period, and just had an unbelievable trip. Uh, both hi- him and his, his entire family just absolutely loved their visit to Nebraska. And I think that Nebraska, is, is, you know, became the team to beat there. And, and if he's going to be making his decision before his season starts, I think it's Nebraska – um, and the other one is Shea Bryant Struther, the, the linebacker from Georgia. Um, and same deal. You know, he came in, same official visit weekend, um, and really, really just loved his trip. It uh, just kind of blew, blew him out of the water. Uh, I mean, that, that entire trip that, that he and his mom experienced that weekend, uh, just everything about it, I think, just, you know, it was everything uh, that they saw, the, the people that they met in particular, I think, is re- really stood out to them. Um, you know, just how personal Nebraska made it and um, an opportunity to play early, too. I mean, the linebacker is a, is a position of need, and he's a guy who can play inside or outside and can do a lot of different things. And and so I think that, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to be wanting to make a decision before his senior year. And, and if he holds true to that, I think Nebraska is, is by far and away the team to beat. So those are two guys right there in um, a newer name that. It, I mean, not necessarily a newer name that's come on the radar, but a name to maybe pay, t- pay pay more attention to here lately is Caden Johnson, the number one player in the state of Minnesota. Um, you know, He's a Rivals 250 outside linebacker, 6'4", 230 pounds. I mean, basically exactly how you'd want to draw up an outside linebacker. Um, he's very, very high on Nebraska and Wisconsin right now, and he's planning on making a return trip for an unofficial visit as soon as the dead period gets over with here in the next week or two. And um, once they get it wrapped up before the start of the season, I take it. Well, you know, he, he hasn't said that, but from, you know, from what he has said, you know, I think that he is, he is narrowing things down or, or, wanting to get closer to making a decision. I think he, he might take some official visits in the fall, uh, but in Nebraska is guaranteed to get one of those, so we know that. So he's he's looking to, to visit Lincoln here twice in in the next couple of months, and so I think Nebraska is, all of a sudden uh, you know could be considered the team to beat here for them for him. And um, you know you look at some of the talent that they've gotten so far out of the 500 mile radius. If if they're able to pull Caden Johnson out of Minnesota, I mean that would be a big time big time get.
0: All right. Well, lots to keep up with on recruiting and. Obviously, we'll have plenty of coverage as well from Big Ten media days in Chicago here throughout the weekend.
2: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: Uh, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.